Hi everyone, Leanne Pilkington here for the latest episode of Courageous Conversations. And with me I have got the gorgeous Jenna Dunley, who is with LJ Hooker Kipax down in the ACT. Welcome Jenna. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Now I got to know you back in the day when you were with the Peter Blackshaw brand in Canberra because obviously Dexar, Lang and Simmons and Peter Blackshaw were all connected at the time. So tell me a little bit about how you got into real estate. So I kind of fell into real estate. Um, I was fresh out of school, um, just 18. I'd started uni but wasn't convinced that that's what I wanted to do and thought that I needed a real job and my aunt worked in real estate and needed a personal assistant. So I literally just jumped on board and started doing that and, um, yeah, the rest is sort of history. Fell in love with the life. Fantastic. And fell in love in particular with auctioneering, right? Yep. Yep, absolutely. I was absolutely thrilled to be at the Australasian Auctioneering Championships in Melbourne last year where you made history being the first female finalist. Yeah. How exciting was that? <laughs> uh, I can't even believe it now. I didn't expect to to even make the finals. You know, it was amazing that I even made Australasians this year. Um, but to make the finals, yeah, I'm yeah, amazed. It actually was phenomenal because the ACT, the way the, for those that don't know, the way that these championships work is that every state around Australia and also in New Zealand have two competitors that they can send to the Austros. So in the ACT, there were only two competitors that got through and you have got a really high standard of auctioneers in the ACT. So the fact that, you're right, the fact that you got to the Austros at all was incredible given you had only done how many auctions at that time? Um, I called just around 20 auctions, um, I think. In comparison to people like Justin Nickerson and some of the other finalists that have literally called thousands, in some cases tens of thousands of auctions. So that's like, it still blows my mind when I think about it. So how did you actually get your skills? What did you do to actually achieve that? Um, Look, I sort of just threw myself into everything I absolutely could. Um, If I'm being honest with you, when I first started auctioneering, there was a couple of times and I was like, oh my goodness, I've bitten off way more than I can chew. This is really, really tough. But I was lucky to have a few key people that kept pushing me to know, you know, keep going back to practice, keep doing the competitions, keep doing auctions where you can. Heading into a competition, try to practice almost every day. Um, so it's, you know, practicing counting numbers, practicing little um, words and things you can say that to, to sort of move things on when you don't have anything to talk about, perhaps. But it's really just getting in as much practice as possible and, and, and with other people that are sort of going through the same thing as you, I suppose. And so when you say right back at the beginning, you're thinking, oh man, this is tough. What was it that actually kind of intimidated you about that at the time? Uh, there was a couple of things. I was really bad. <laughs> and I, don't, I don't like I'm being sure bad that's not things. true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I found it a, a real struggle. Um, like there was a couple of people that sort of were helping me get into it that, you know, brought me along to uh, – in Canberra we have an auction chapter and we practice every Wednesday together. And I would go along and I'd see these people that were just, you know, heads and shoulders above me and I just couldn't see myself ever getting that good and how they could add the math so quickly and still be funny and, you know. That's the bit that throws me. Even sitting in the audience, particularly at the Ostros, the maths, the numbers they throw at you are mental. And I was terrible, honestly. Like it's a new learnt skill. Um, I've had to sort of – pair it back to basics and just 
practice mental maths on, you know, apps and, and card counting. And it, it gets a little bit addictive. You kind of, you know, become a bit obsessed with it. But um, it's all practice, honestly, just throwing everything I have at, at the practice. That's amazing. And so the auction chapter, is that part of the um, Real Estate Institute of ACT? Or yeah. A so um, yeah? the okay. REI sort of organised that for us. Michelle Tynan's a big part of that. Um, she's super involved where, you know, we're very lucky to have her on our team and, and helping us with all of that. And there's a couple of, you know, head people that are looking after it too. Like Pete Walker's been amazing with keeping it all together. And then, you know, you've got your Alec Brown and um, Mark Lama who have made it to Austria a couple of times and are helping train up our uh, more juniors like me and, and bringing us through the ranks. Yeah, that's incredible that the senior guys are really happy to actually spend that time with you because yeah, I know absolutely. obviously I know both Mark and Alex, they're both awesome guys, but very busy, very successful in their oh, own right. So that's it, 100%. You sound like you've been really lucky to find some mentors. Absolutely. Um, sort of even inundated, there's been, you know, a, a few key people that have really helped me out, which, who I've already named. But uh, yeah, look, it's funny when I got together with this auctioneering group um, it was like nothing else I'd ever experienced in real estate I mean as much as we all like to say we're not competitive with each other um, real estate agents are it's just a part of the job it's a part of the nature this group of auctioneers um, everyone just wants to see each other do really well which was a game changer yeah that is absolutely fantastic so talk me through your at the Ostros. That was a really big, intimidating room. How did you keep your nerves under control prior to the heats? Yeah, so the heats, I feel like I wasn't as nervous as perhaps I should have been. Like, don't get me wrong, I was definitely nervous. Um, but I didn't feel like I had a lot of pressure. I'd already kicked an amazing goal and I thought I'm just going to go out there and have a good time. Um, I, I, you know, I wanted the last position. I'd got it. There was nothing else I could do except get up there and, and give it a, a red hot go. And um, yeah, I, I didn't feel too bad on day one. Day two was a whole nother kettle of fish. There was a lot more pressure. Um, like I said, unexpected for me. So I was very nervous on day two. <laughs> day two. Yeah, certainly yeah. Um, you did an amazing job on um, on day one. I was not at all surprised to see you get through to the final because you really deserved it. So talk to us about day two because that was, as you say, that was a different experience. Yeah, so day two, um, for the people that sort of don't understand day one, day two, we get the property on the morning um, and have to write a whole new property description and learn it and then, you know, the numbers and complexities of the scenario sort of go up as well. So it's all about acting on your feet and trying to be the best option you can be, I suppose, with with a lot less um, preparation. I mean, day one we had a week. Yeah, of course. And, of course, there's people in the audience that have been briefed to be quite difficult purchases and to make things as complicated as they can for you. Yeah, yeah. Which is quite funny. I mean, sometimes you have to be really here in control and, and not laugh and sort of read the situation, but you can't help yourself. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think what some of the scenarios were at Ostro's now. It feels like it was such a long time ago, but they ask you, um, you know, funny questions and you can you get points from either answering them really witty or, or being, you know, black and white and answering it in a very legal and, um, and you know, matter of fact way and moving on. But keeping the flow and keeping control, I think, is the main things. And it's a learnt skill because it's something I've never had to do in any other parts of my job, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the numbers threw you on the day. How did you feel after the um, auction? Um, day one, I didn't feel too bad. Day two, I felt so mentally exhausted. Um, the trips and things with the numbers were just astronomical. Um, and it was, you know, remembering, 
your last bid and then adding the next bid but remembering um it's yeah it's tricky but i mean that's what they do to sort of test you and and i suppose these competitions are there to train us and to give us the skills so that when we're selling someone's you know biggest asset we're not making mistakes essentially yeah absolutely it's all awesome experience and particularly for you with so few auctions under your belt I know you impressed everybody that was in the room that day so well done you thank you so you've had a couple of office changes yes in the time that I've known you and I know there was one business that you were only with for eight months and it's a tough call to go from one office and then to think oh maybe I haven't made the right decision can you sort of talk about those kind of courageous conversations you had to have with yourself to A, move the first time and then B, go, you know what, Jenna, I've actually, maybe this yeah. isn't the right thing for yeah. me. Um, it caused a lot of heartache, to be honest with you. Um, going from um, the first brand that I'd been with for a long time, I guess you don't know what you know until you know. Yeah. So, I, you know, I was very supported um, with, with the first brand and um, well-loved, but I, I th- thought that I needed to branch out and sort of grow. I, I mean, everything that I did was for growth and I just wanted to be the best. I absolutely could and um, I, look I moved and realized pretty quickly I was there for like you said eight months um, that it wasn't the, the right culture I suppose for me um, and I just needed someone that believed in me probably more than myself because if anyone's my biggest you know critic it's myself so I needed someone that was going to be like hey Jenny you can actually do this and um, that's when I stumbled upon LJ Hooker um, and Sandra Masters and she's just been uh my like number one cheerleader it's just been the best thing for me yeah that's amazing you've um you've certainly found yourself in the right place because sandra is an incredible auctioneer she is and just so supportive of trying to encourage more women into auctioneering but just encouraging people in general agents in general to be great auctioneers right absolutely she's just and she's been doing it forever she's walked these roads she's done all the competitions she gets it she knows that it's all an essential part of being the best you absolutely can be so you know whenever I ask to do a competition or um, I want to get more involved in the auction scene she's you know right there behind me either doing it with me or or cheering me on and it's just um, it's just amazing it's it's really important but like I said sometimes you question yourself and think oh geez maybe I'm not that good or maybe maybe I'm putting too much into this and um, you just need that reassurance sometimes. Yeah absolutely and I liked what you said about finding someone who had more faith in you than you did in yourself because certainly for me I never saw myself here never saw myself where I am today in my career and within the industry and I achieved it because I was working for Tony Anderson and Rob Farrell who had way more belief in me than I ever had in myself and so it is incredibly important that we find those people yeah absolutely I'm glad that you know going back to the office change thing I think it was important to do those transitions um, to work out you know what my groove was and what sort of um, office I needed to be a part of and it's you know it's not just Sandra it's the whole brand here in Canberra you know did some amazing things for me even going into um, Ostros all the guys were there helping me train on a Friday morning before our stock meetings and it was just it's this whole brand of just a lot of love and and you know lifting each other up to help each other just do the best. Yeah lots of support yeah which is incredible as you said agents are really competitive so you don't necessarily expect you're going to get that with people and I do think it's really important that you've had a bad you know a work experience that that didn't fit with your culture or your values or your expectations whatever it is because you can always be looking for 
something greener in real estate and you know people offering you a bit more money here or a bit more that there but finding the culture and finding the values and finding the people that support you is massively important it means a lot more than money does and and I don't think I ever would have realized without you know transitioning those couple of times I um you know obviously thought that I'd made the right decision at, at first when I made the first move um, but very quickly realised, yeah, just didn't scratch the itch and I needed to sort of, yeah, find find something that was a better fit. Yeah, well, good on you for making the decision quickly because not everybody would. And certainly I think the reason I've been at Lang & Simmons for this is my 25th year, would you believe? I've been here so long because I had a couple would of work experiences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I only started when I was three, right? <laughs> I, um, I had a couple of work experiences prior to Lang & Simmons that were less than ideal yeah. and and I think it's just made me really value the support and the culture and the environment. So yeah, you could be you could be like me. You could be at LJ Hooker for the, for another twenty years. Well, that's the plan. That's the absolute yeah. plan. I love it here. I hope to be here until I retire now. So oh, how <laughs> old are you, Jenna? Me. I'm only twenty five, so I've got a little oh. while to go. <laughs> yeah, you have. You've got a few years. So the theme of the podcast is around courageous conversations, and yeah. sometimes you have to have them at work. Sometimes you have to have them at home. Sometimes you actually have to have them with yourself which it sounds like you have had a few times Mm -hmm. um what are your tips on actually having those conversations uh just rip the band-aid off and have them there's a lot of times in the past where i've just been like don't worry about it don't worry about it don't worry about it It gets worse and worse rip the band-aid off talk about it talk to people that you trust perhaps um throw some ideas around and just back your gut feeling because nine times out of ten it's right and sort of just follow that would be my my main one and give it a go I mean worst case scenario it doesn't work out and you change it (laughs) yeah exactly that's the thing right you have you know I like that rip the band-aid off because you can't avoid having the conversations because you're right they get worse yeah um if you don't actually approach it so avoiding conflict avoiding difficult conversations avoiding things that make you uncomfortable they're kind of the things you have to lean into rather than to avoid yeah absolutely and you know you've got to be what do they say comfortable with being uncomfortable something I'm still working on um uh, but you know all the things that I've sort of achieved in the last couple of years is is just proof that yeah you just got to do it because if you'd said to me two years ago I'd be standing up at Ostro's um, in, in front of all these people, I would have said, absolutely not. That makes me so nervous. Um, and, and now I've achieved that. So I just think just do it. Worst case scenario, it doesn't work out and you've learned a lesson. Yeah, absolutely. And the more you do things outside of your comfort zone, the bigger your comfort zone gets. Yeah. Right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So I've got bad news for you, though. I, um, I'm i still uncomfortable in lots of situations, so it doesn't actually necessarily get better with age. <laughs> uh, look, experience, though. I'm sure you're doing things now that you would never have done 25 years ago. No doubt about that, my friend. No <laughs> doubt about that. Well, I am very excited that you're going to be on the panel at the upcoming Women in Real Estate Conference, which is on the, gosh, I want to say March 20. Is it 23 or 24? I should know that. I feel That's like terrible. it's 24, but I'm now you're yeah, saying that, yeah. I'm questioning myself. <laughs> yeah, no, it probably is 24. I've got a lot yeah. on that week, let me tell you. Anyway, I can't wait to see you there. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. No, thank you for having me. Um, I, I've loved being here.